those deep desires we have is really like your intuition is barking at you. It's saying you need to listen to yourself. You don't have those thoughts. You don't have those barking kind of desires in you for no reason. They're not there to play games with you. They're there because maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing. Have you ever let stress get the better of you? Want to know how to maximize your productivity? My name is Tommy Bowie. Follow me as I deep dive into the minds of successful entrepreneurs and industry professionals on the tools, tips, and strategies they use to overcome stress and boost productivity in their daily lives, especially when the going gets tough and the stakes are high. This is the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast. My guest today works as a producer and production manager in film and TV for over 20 years. She worked in Melbourne, Australia, on hundreds of TV commercials, events, arts residencies, film, and music videos. She also works with her husband from a story point of view, where she supported him in the publishing of his book, The Last Four Days of Paddy Buckley. They have a TV series in late development scheduled to shoot at the end of the year, and also are in talks about an option for a film and TV series to be made for the last four days of Paddy Buckley. She's currently using all her gained skills to mentor and help people tell their stories through The Creative Producer. The Creative Producer is a 12-month mentoring program where not only herself and her husband mentor the clients, but they also bring in other mentors from different areas of mindset through to editing, through to marketing to make sure that the clients get the right advice for their particular projects. She pulls her connections of creatives that currently work in the areas of expertise. Today I have with me Holly Massey. Holly, thank you very much for being a part of the Stressless Entrepreneur podcast. Thanks for having me, Tommy. It's lovely to be here. Holly, the reason why I wanted to get you on the show today was because you have an incredible amount of experience within the creative production industry. And so I wanted to pick your brain a bit on how our creative entrepreneurs can overcome some of the challenges they face, especially in these current times. But before we do that, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is that you do? So I started the creative producer about a year ago, and that was a business that had been sort of like a bit of a lifelong business after working as a producer in advertising for almost 20 years, actually, Mm -hmm. and also kind of worked in film and events. I helped my husband to publish a novel. So I've got kind of varied experience, but I kind of found in that time that I was very much what would I say? <laughs> working around the clock. You don't really own your life when you're working advertising. It's it's a, yep. it's a very kind of busy industry. So yeah, it, it just took some time to kind of work out how to use those skills, all those skills that I had to, to kind of package into the creative producer to sort of help people rather than brands, I suppose, share their stories through creative projects. I do want to talk about the creative producer a bit more later on in the episode, but when it comes to your own personal journey within advertising, what were th- some of the challenges that you faced? Well, because I've worked for myself mainly, and most people do in that business, they, they work as freelancers. So, yep. uh, so when you work as a freelancer and it's like working as a contractor, you don't really own what you're doing because it's sort of hard to say no to a job because if you say no to a job, you might not get that job again. So it was very much, you know, you're on kind of like a a bit of a a wheel that's just a constant work. It becomes a a lifestyle, actually. So everything starts to suffer. You know, your health suffers. 
<laughs> even though you're working with some of the most amazing people, which that was probably where I got caught. You know, I was working with incredible people, some of the most talented people in the business on some really amazing projects. You get to travel, you know, you get to have all these incredible kind of like experiences. Mm-hmm. But with that comes your kind of your friendships. You can't kind of commit to sort of going anywhere because most times you called away on a job, you know, your friendships start to fall away and it all becomes about business. It's almost like being in a bubble, actually. It's almost like being in a bubble. Yeah. So your whole world lifestyle becomes about what you're doing rather than there's no real balance in what you're doing. So you, you almost become quite blinkered in what you're doing because it's so encompassing and it's a very intense business to work in. So it can be very hard to step away from it because you start to think, well, you know, what other skills have I got? What can I do? How can I make what I do work for me outside of what I'm doing? And and that was probably the biggest thing I think for me is, you know, looking at my skill base going, how can I take this somewhere else? Mm-hmm. I felt quite trapped. It's a very trapped feeling, even though it's, it's like a double-edged sword. I think someone said to me, someone said the other day, which I thought was a really good analogy, it's like licking honey off a knife. And it's kind of very much what working in advertising is like it's, or, or working in film and TV. It sort of has that. It fills your soul in so many ways, but it's also, you know, it's almost got that knife edge to it as well because the lot suffers. You mentioned freelancing and your skill base there. We know that in advertising, especially as a, a freelancer, you may get the opportunity to work on major projects or a big production, but then obviously there's the uncertainty that once that finishes, you're not too sure on what's in store for you coming up next. Was there a way that you kind of dealt with that uncertainty leading on to, I guess, the the ending of a project? I think for me, I mean, I started, I did work experience when I was 16 in the yep. business. So it was something that I was had an interest in doing. And then I started university and I got a phone call from the same company asking me to join their company as a full, you know, full-time job. And I thought to myself, well, I can always go back to uni, but this is a really great opportunity. Yep. And I have to honestly say from that time, I was never, ever had a problem of being out of work. So for me, when a job ended, there was always going to be another one. Mm-hmm. I don't ever kind of really remember. I, I can actually, I can remember having a, a week off or yep. a week's where I didn't have any work when I was about 25, 26. And, you know, I was thinking, oh, God, you know, <laughs> when am I going to get my next job? You know, it was quite mm-hmm. kind of worried. But I was quite lucky just to be, I, you know, I always had work. So I never I never really had to. I mean, I did work in some full-time jobs as well. I went from a couple of, you know, companies in the early days. You know, I worked for a couple of years in some, some, some companies and I went to another place for a few years. And then, you know, and then it was kind of when I went freelancing is when it kind of got really crazy. But I was never really out of work. So... Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but uh, <laughs> I'd like, no, that's to, all right. I'd like yeah. to say I had a coping strategy, but I, I just don't remember having one because I was just worked the whole time. But I think also it comes down to you have a skill set and it's a skill set that's most likely probably in demand. And so as long as you upskill yourself and maintain a certain skill set, you shouldn't have to worry even though you are freelancing project to project. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Now working in film and production for 20 years, would you say that your perspective, because we know that technology is constantly evolving, 
what you did 20 years ago, 15, or even five years ago is completely different to how you may approach film production now. Yeah. When there was a shift in technology and a new style of film production or approach methodology was introduced, mm. did you find that it was easy for you to pick up in terms of understanding the approach? Yeah, I did actually. And I think there's been some huge changes in the industry over that time because of that. Yep. There, there used to be kind of like a lot of big production companies, for example, that had sort of producers and maybe five or six or seven different directors working within that production company that were around. And I think, you know, once that technology started to change, uh, it all sort of, you know, no one could sustain that anymore because the budgets and everything became tighter. Um, mm -hmm. People didn't have clients didn't have as much money it's not that they didn't value how things used to be it's just that you could do things much cheaper everyone's got access to a camera especially with iphones and all that kind of stuff mm -hmm. um, everyone can edit you know so clients and advertising agencies started to sort of take on a lot of that themselves the the shifts and the changes i mean i ended up starting a business with another director where we you know, we basically went into a shared space, we rented a floating desk and we, you know, whenever we needed anything, we just hired everything in and it was much easier because everything could just go off onto the job, um, into the budget and then that was it sort of thing. So, yeah, I mean, it's obviously become more competitive with people and with so many people being able to sort of access cameras and editing and all that kind of stuff. But I, I always found it easy to move with. In fact, I think it's just given, it's actually enhanced everything. It's changed, but it's enhanced. And I think some people have kind of struggled with that, but I think others have really kind of tapped into the amazingness of of that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as I said, everyone can shoot, shoot something now. Any, anyone can create a TV show or any, you know, everybody's got the ability to do that. And I think that that's amazing because we get to share so much information um, with each other now because of that, which is great. Is that one of the reasons why you've started the Creative Producer, the mentoring program that you have now? It is funny. When I did start it, I thought to myself, God, why didn't I do this earlier? There's, you know, it's it's been in my mind for such a long time. You know, I even remember being a little girl. I mean, the Creative Producer is one thing, but it is leading, which we'll talk about that later, but it is leading to something much bigger, um, yep. which is, you know, when I was younger, I could, you know, I, a little girl, I, I, I remembered having these visions and ideas of, of things that I wanted to do. But, yeah, I mean, I did, did sometimes sit and think to myself, why didn't I start this earlier? And, you know, maybe if I did, I wouldn't be able to do it the way that I'm doing it. So in that question, then... Yeah, it is maybe very timely that I do have the opportunity now to be able to do what I'm doing because of because of technology and because of the way everything's going. But I also think that people are wanting to tap into that creative part of themselves, probably, I wouldn't say more than ever, but, you know, everybody does have the ability to be able to do that now and be able to tap into that part of themselves that I, had, I hadn't thought of it that way, Tommy, but... <laughs> Maybe that's what, yeah. <laughs> you, you talk about everybody having the ability to tap into themselves and be, be the creative side or be the creative producer. I myself, it's taken a lot of courage to put my, myself out there in terms of creating a podcast and just being more external. So do you have any top tips for someone who's just starting out and just wants to say, write a book or 
uh, put themselves in front of a camera, but as soon as they have the thought of doing it or put themselves in front of the camera, they just aren't themselves. Yeah, it's funny because I've been dealing a lot with this with um, with the people that I'm working with, actually. And, yep. you know, outside of creativity, I think it comes back to one of my philosophies is trusting your inner artist, I call it, trusting your inner artist, which trusting your inner artist for me is kind of like an intuitive part, that intuitive part of yourself. So that, that thing inside you that is kind of that voice or that that feeling or that thing that's inside you that's kind of pushing you to to do what it is that you want to do. Now, that could be anything. We all have a thing. Like for you, it was like, you know, obviously I really want to have a podcast. I work with people like I really want to write a book. You know, I hear that all the time. I really, really want to write a book. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I have this deep desire. It was like with me, I had this deep desire to create this business. Yep. Those deep desires we have is really like your intuition is barking at you. It's saying you need to listen to yourself. You don't have those thoughts. You don't have those barking kind of desires in you for no reason. They're not there to play games with you. They're there because maybe that's what you're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've got a message to share with the world. Maybe you've got something that you need to to yeah to share with the world and give others so it can help them with, through different things that they're going through. And it's like going back to trusting the inner artist. It's about connecting with that part of yourself and just trusting that and trusting that that's what you're here for and that's what you're here to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you've originally from Australia and now you're currently living in Ireland. That's right. How long ago was the transition and was the transition difficult in terms of your work as well? <laughs> Do you want me to go to the backstory about that, how that all happened? <laughs> yep. We've got plenty of time. <laughs> okay. It's um, okay to talk about putting yourself out there and sharing your story. So, but, and trusting your inner artist and your intuition. So for me, I was working in my business and I had this huge, like, I just knew there was, it was, you know, my body was just saying to me, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. And the anxiety that I had, and it's not like I was getting up feeling anxious about life or anything like that. It was just the amount of hours I was working and, you know, rocking up on set and just working with clients and all that kind of stuff. I just have these moments every now and then in my body where I'd be like going, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, Mm -hmm. this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. And it became so kind of barking, you know, it was starting just to affect everything. So I went and saw a Reiki practitioner and she said something to me that I've probably never forget, never forgotten, which kind of instigated the change for me. And she said to me that everything I wanted in my life was right in front of me. It's just that I was choosing to look in a different direction. Yep. And then if I decided to turn a little bit to the left or a little bit to the right or whatever it was that she said, that everything would open up and I would see it. It was all just there waiting for me. And that, for whatever reason, maybe I'd heard that before, I don't know, but those words just made so much sense to me in that time. And I realised that that's all I needed to do. I just actually needed to open my mind and create these create this reality or these, these, you know, the things that I was, these deep desires that I had inside. Mm -hmm. So 
that was the beginning of me. I decided to go and do a shamanistic weekend away with plant medicines, which I'm not recommending for everybody to do that because I think that that is, you need to be very in a kind of a very kind of supportive sort of space. Yep to do that and to to get the support afterwards i think there can be a big lack of support around those weekends if you're not doing it with the right people and the the aftercare it can be non-existent as well so i think you have to be really careful for me it really worked i just came out of there with this eye-opening kind of like oh my goodness i need to make some changes right now kind of thing so Funnily enough, I had to fly to India after that weekend for a job. When I got to India, I was working for a big pharmaceutical company on an Olympic campaign. And when I got to India and we went out to the first location, which is in a slum in Mumbai, it was just, everything just came kind of rushing at me. And it was just in that moment that I was like, I just don't want to be making TV commercials for big pharmaceutical companies. I want to be working with these guys in the slum to make their life much more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't know. I want to be working with, giving, sharing my skills with people in the slum to kind of enrich their lives. And it was just in that moment where I was just like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. So I got through the job and had a great, I mean, you know, I was very lucky that though that particular pharmaceutical company were a fantastic company and I, you know, was working with a great agency. Again, it was never the, really the people, it was just more the ethical nature of the work that I was doing that really kind of grated on me the most. So, but that was, yeah, that was the moment that I, would, I was like, okay, I have to go. So I came back from that job. We finished up the campaign and I left my business and then eight weeks later, my husband and three children packed a bag and we left Australia and flew to Ireland. <laughs> so we all with the baggage. Was that a decision uh, between yourself and your, your family or was that more so swaying on, on your end in terms of the destination? Well, my husband's Irish, so we'd always talked about coming back here at some stage with the kids. Ah, yep. Give them a bit of an Irish experience and you know, Irish way of life. We kind of want, wanted to always incorporate that into the kids' lives. So, yeah, I think when I said to my husband when I came back from India, I was like, we, I think we have to just go. And he was like, what? <laughs> I said, we just got to do it. We just have to. It was just that calling again. It was a calling. It was like trusting my intuition. I was like, I'm not going to not trust it anymore because I have to hear what, I have to listen to what, I have to listen to myself. So, yes, there was lots of things we had to, you know, we we had a mortgage, we had a house, you know, all that kind of stuff. So we had to kind of work all those little bits and pieces out, mm-hmm. which really ultimately in the scheme of things wasn't that big a deal. But, yeah, we ended up moving here and has it been easy? It's, you know, we've had our ups and downs with it all, but we've I've never, ever once looked back and we now sit in a house in a beautiful part of island in west cork on 10 acres we're just surrounded by beautiful woodland and yeah we're creating the life that we have always wanted to have so it's uh i as i said never ever looked back i just want to take you back to the initial conversation you did mention that you went through a shamanistic weekend just briefly for our listeners are you able to do just describe what that really means so I went, it was a four, it was a five day, four or five day retreat 
yep. doing uh, plant medicine. So ayahuasca and San Pedro with the shaman, uh, which I know that uh, it's become a bit of a buzzy thing for people to do. But yeah, that was a very kind of intense weekend of plant medicines and really sort of tapping into, I mean, everybody has a different experience, I suppose, but it really sort of takes you to, takes you to a place that you can't access. Well, I haven't been able to access in any other way. And they do say it's like the equivalent of 10 years of psychotherapy, which mm-hmm. I know that if I hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have got the answers that I was needing. But I mean, I went in with very clear intention of what I wanted to get out of it. And I think I was very prepared for it. I had, I did three weeks of detoxing before I went in. I was very, I was just really ready to say, God, just what is it that I need to be doing? What am I doing wrong? And what is it that's not working in my life? So yeah, it was a very deep dive into my unconscious, subconscious, if you like, and sort of pulling out, I got a lot of kind of ancestral stuff out of that actually, like looking back into I think probably what I was kind of carrying or playing out in this lifetime for me was deeply connected to my ancestors and that none of it was mine. So it was almost like this generational sort of trauma, if you like, that had sort of been carried down, which I still don't really understand a lot of because I don't, even though I... I know where my families are from. I don't have uh, intellectual or deep understanding in this life of what that was like for them or where they actually came from or who they actually were mm-hmm. because my parents are not massively connected to that part of their ancestors. They are a little bit. My mum's done quite a bit of DNA, you know, she's done DNA, what do you call it, ancestry.com, you know, the, the yeah, all that kind of stuff. She's done those and started putting some family trees and everything together. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to kind of access your ancestors' traumas, if you like, because we don't really understand them. They're not they're not really carried down. Now they may be with some. It wasn't not in my family anyway. So I think that was the biggest thing for me is really connecting back into that and realizing that everything that I was carrying in this in my life wasn't actually mine, and it almost kind of gave me permission to be able to let that go and really step into what I needed to do to be able to break those patterns. But I am definitely all about breaking patterns. (laughs) And I've been told many times of lots of healers that I'm a bringer of change. So it's, it's almost like that's my, I've kind of tried to dig deep into all those, you know, you sort of, when you go through all your personal development stuff, you're sort of digging deep into the why of everything. And it's, yeah, I think that that's just my dharma or that's just my calling is that's just the way I am. It's just the person that's the person. It's what I'm here for to do is to, to break those patterns and to bring change and healing in, in lots of ways. And it's funny, while we're talking, I've got a book that's in front of me. If anybody is interested in this type of subject, um, mm-hmm. there's a book called Didn't Start With You. It's a guy who wrote it called Mark Wallian. I think he's how you say his surname. And it's about how inherited family trauma shapes who we are and how to end the cycle. So it's a really interesting book on generational trauma and how it's kind of carried down through the generations and how you can actually, you know, break that. Yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned that book. I recently did a coaching session with a intergenerational coach and mm-hmm. we've had to dig deep for myself because I don't generally 
speak about my feelings and hit my, my ancestry. But it was recorded and we will be sharing the episode in the near future. But it was very insightful when it comes down to, you know, the past trauma from my family because we went through the war period because mm. I'm Vietnamese and grandpa and grandma went through that period and how it passes on to mother and then passes on to me. And yeah, it, it shed some light on the way I do things as well. Yeah, it's incredible once you kind of start looking into it. And as I said, it almost gives you permission to be able to release it in a way or to understand it more and to not be a victim of your own situation, if that makes sense, which I think is what's really amazing about it is we've all got it. We've all got family trauma in some way. Yep. And it does it does help you, I think, just to put a little bit of understanding around it. It's amazing work. I think he actually is the guy that does the family constellations, I think which is another sort of healing modality, I suppose, yep. that helps you to helps you to move through different traumas. Yeah. So we've talked about your journey in advertising and the newfound sense of purpose in terms of the ethical side of things and helping others. Let's talk about the creative producer now. What is it all about and how can you help our creative entrepreneurs? So as I was saying earlier, it's almost like all my skills. So I've also done my uh, yoga teach training. So I teach yoga and I studied nutrition for a couple of years as well and lifestyle coaching and stuff like that. So I bring all my skills as a producer and my yoga teach training and my personal development stuff and I've put it into a format over a 12-month program mm -hmm. that helps people or helps creatives or people. So you don't, I think everybody's creatives to really tap into what it is that they're wanting to create, what, what their sort of desire is that they're wanting to create. I've had people come to me with, say, 20 different projects that they're kind of quite kind of manic about and don't know where to put their energy. And just from going through that start of the, the program, which is kind of digging, digging deep, I like to say, which I, I know you used that phrase before as well, digging deep into who we are, what our deep desires are, what our dream time is. I use dream time, the Aboriginal dream time, about sort of tapping into that ancestral part of who we are, our beginning of the creation of, of what we're here for and that impact and that legacy that we want to leave. So we kind of look at all of that. Yep. And then sort of come up with some deep-seated kind of projects to be able to execute. So I work as a producer. It's almost like I don't call myself a coach because I'm not a coach at all. Mm -hmm. I would say that I'm more of a mentor or an online producer that kind of works in a very collaborative way, although I don't own any of the work that's being executed. It's all it's all the client's work to sort of bring a, a creative project to life. So I work across quite a few different creative sort of projects. Like I'm working with a lot of people that are writing books. I'm working with, you know, theatre directors that have a desire to get projects into national theatres. Mm -hmm. I'm working with, I'm actually developing a document, a couple of documentaries at the moment with people. I'm working with a couple of people that have online TV show ideas. The kind of projects that I like to work with, I mean, if you kind of read through my website, it talks about ethical change and bringing change yep. to, that kind of, you know, carries and ripples on sort of throughout the world kind of breaking down that fear paradigm and sort of telling stories, I suppose, that have always, if anyone's had something inside that they've kind of wanted to, to get out there and tell people to really kind of break through those barriers and, and tell those stories. So I call them kind of ethical in, in, in a sense because 
that's kind of what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm interested in kind of ethical change, if you like, but I, I'm working, that ethical change can, can be inside you, you know. It doesn't have to be this kind of outside thing that's going to change the world. So I think by changing ourselves, we, we change the world. I don't think it's my place to be kind of putting, getting up on a soapbox saying I want to change the world. But so, yeah, so that's kind of what the creative producer kind of does. Did that answer your question? I think I felt like I went off on a tangent there. No, yes, yes, that's it. There's plenty of information <laughs> on the creative producer. I love that you talk about looking internal and changing the internal aspect of yourself and, and then the benefits will just ripple. Yeah. Your mentoring program you know, there's guidance on how to write a book, there's video, there's documentaries, there's a lot of variety in terms of the skill set or type of program that you're supporting. Are there common themes when it comes to your clients or mentees struggles and stresses? Yeah, none of them actually believe in themselves. <laughs> yep, yep. Every, all of them. And look, it's funny, creatives are, you know, obviously, we're very sensitive souls. So, I see that it's a huge struggle for creatives to put themselves out there or to market themselves or to see that their work is going to be worthy for someone else to read or to look at. So, yeah, that's one thing we deal with a lot. However, you know, I, I'm not a mindset coach. Obviously, there's a lot of work in terms of personal development stuff that kind of goes with going through the program. Mm -hmm. But it is all about, you know, just... I think group work's really powerful because, mm -hmm. you know, you get to meet a lot of like-minded people that are doing the same thing as you. And it's about sort of connecting in with that. I, I find sometimes a lot of clients seem to feel like they're on their own and they're, they're not really connecting with like-minded people. So they don't realize that they're not the only person that's thinking the way that they do. So that group work is really, really important for their development and, and moving forward. And, and, it, and it is all about doing the work. You know, I'm all about digging deep and doing the work. And that doing the work is an internal job and an external job. You've got to show up. And you, you, don't, you don't want to be putting, it's, it's in yoga, I sort of, you know, the way I teach yoga is just finding that point of challenge. You know, you don't want to push yourself to the point where you kind of snap your hamstring. And you don't want to not challenge yourself. It's about finding that point of challenge within yourself. And that's very much kind of how I mentor people is about finding their process and trusting their inner artist and finding their point of challenge. And within that, digging deep and showing up and doing the work to get something finished. So it is a very practical kind of program because at the end, we want something kind of tangible at the end that, that has been created. So it's kind of mixing both. Yeah, and that's one of the benefits of mentorship or group um, activities is that there's this one, the support network, but then also there's the accountability that's, you know, if you're going to say you're going to do something, well, there's a couple of people on the other side that will hold you accountable to that. And that's, I think, one of the key drivers when it comes to achieving some of your goals. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's one of the most important things that you can do for yourself without a doubt is to find mentorship, support in whatever way. You know, I think everybody needs that. It's kind of something I talk about with my kids. You know, my kids are 10, 13 and 14 and I'm already talking to them about that because it's just so important. Speaking about accountability, we know that your husband received a, a publishing deal and released a book called The Last Four Days of Patty Buckley. 
did he go through some challenges and you being on the other side of the, I guess, support network, did it affect you in any way? <laughs> that's, a funny, uh, that's a story in itself. I could write a book about that. Um, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we, uh, as a couple are very, you know, we work together, we develop together, we, you know, we have kids together, you know, we do everything together. Yep. Um, so we're very intertwined in what we do in our work and, and everything. And yeah, I think he definitely went through those challenges of all the stuff that we've been talking about, kind of believing in himself and believing that he had a story that was worthy of being published. And I remember when I first read it, it was just like, I remember going like, this totally needs to get out here. And he's like, really? And I was like, yeah, that's so public. To me, it was just like, of course that's publishable. Like, I mean, that's like reading a book already, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, so he definitely went through, went through all of that soul searching and that digging deep himself to be able to believe in himself as a writer. And now together we're kind of, we've created a life where we're both, you know, he's 100% dedicated to his, he can't not write or be that person. Mm-hmm. And he's never not been able to do that because that's just who he is. So we're both working our passion and we both do what we love and we both do it together. And, you know, he's also, well, we all have also got a TV series that's scheduled to shoot at the end of the year if this coronavirus <laughs> situation mm-hmm. calms down. And, you know, we're looking at contractual kind of deals to for Patty Buckley to be made into film TV series as well. So, so yeah, the journey continues, but he's definitely crossed the threshold now and he's fully in, in the mode of his work and he's very busy and that stuff doesn't come up for him anymore because he's, he's done the work. So It's almost as if... All you need is that one person or I guess one independent person to tell you that you're good enough and whatever you've created is fantastic. So, you know, he's gone through that development phase. He's gotten that confidence to write now. And it's almost as if now he can't stop writing. Yeah. I mean, I, I know when we, and it is important, I think, to definitely have that person who can support you without a doubt. I know when he wrote the version that's published now, when he wrote that, we had decided to, I think he was teaching at the time, so he was teaching three days a week. Yep. It was really kind of a tough time, but he was teaching three days a week. We had, you know, we'd had three kids and we were like, okay, we just need to get this done. How are we going to do it? So we just sat down and we just mapped it all out and said, okay, he can teach three days a week and then write four days a week and then I'll look after the kids seven days a week. And yep. that's what we did eight months and the version of the book that people read today is on pretty much the version that was written in that time like it went to the it went to the we had to find a, an agent so it went to the agent like that and then it went to the publishing house like that and it came back the editor from the publishing house suggested you know you go through this process where they suggest sort of editing suggestions and stuff like that Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were quite minimal, really, considering. And so, yeah, it really is like putting those two kind of minds together and having that support really absolutely is the answer to your success, I think, without a doubt. Is that a normal process when it comes to editing a book and going through that publishing process, eight months? So, no. So, that was just him writing his final draft. So, yeah. 
the the process after that probably took a couple of years. So he had okay. to find an agent. And all of this we actually do in our mentorship. Jeremy's a huge part of the mentorship program. Yeah, you have to find an agent, which is really important first because the agent has the connections to the publishing house. It depends on each book. Each book has a different life. With Jeremy, it took, I think he had up to 80 80 agents, knockbacks, 18 knockbacks from yep. agents. 18, one, one eight or? Uh, eight, oh, 80. 8-0. Wow. So there must have been quite a bit of self-doubt leading up to the 80th time, wasn't there? Well, it's interesting because we know some people that have kind of gone down that process and after like three or four, no, they've just stopped. And it's yeah. like, no, you have to keep going. And the thing is, I think, is it's finding the right agent. You've got to be really clear on what agent you're looking for and you want an agent that deals in the type of books that, you, that you're writing. And I think that's the key. You just don't send it out to any agent. You send it out to, you've got to really research the market. You've got to really research the agents and find the right person who really will resonate with your book because they're going to be on the journey with your book and your story. They've got to try and sell it. So they have to believe in it just as much as you do. Mm -hmm. So once you kind of get that agent, then whatever happens after that for Jeremy, it took 12 months to get Penguin publishing deal. Um, And again, it was pitched to the agent pitch. They pitch it to, I think she pitched it to maybe 10 different publishers. And then, you know, you wait for them to come back to say, yeah, I'd like to look at that or not. And I think we had, I can't remember now, it's so long ago, Jeremy would be able to sort of tell you. Actually, no, we had them all came back and none of them wanted it. That's right. Yep, and I yep. remember thinking we had to wait. For, we waited six months to hear that. And I, I remember just the, the anxiety I had in that six months was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> when are we going to hear back? Yep. And when we heard back that they'd all said no, it was like, oh, God, okay. It was almost like I'd given up at that stage. I was like, okay, I'm done. This is like, mm-hmm, you know, this is, is this ever going to happen? Yeah. And then literally in three weeks we had Penguin come back to us, Riverhead Books, and say that they wanted it and the contracts and everything was signed before Christmas in a really short period of time. And that was it. And so from that moment to publishing, it was probably about 18 months. So it's a long process. It's a long process. So now, you know, there's that forward momentum to try to get into a, a movie or a live uh, production, is it? Yeah, so we're, we're kind of, I can't say too much about it actually because we are in the process of contracts and everything at the moment. Okay, so, yep. But yeah, there's some stuff happening with it. I can assure you with that. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, talking about that, you know, that, let's just say, you know, potentially that there is something popping up, but then also your documentary potentially because of COVID-19 may or may not proceed within the time frame that you want it. Let's talk about COVID-19 real quick. How yep. has COVID-19 affected your business and have you had to pivot? Okay, so this is interesting actually because one of the biggest things with the creative producer and one of the reasons why I started it as well is that everything eventually, sort of philanthropic work for me is really important. So a lot of the work, which is kind of goes back to the ethical thing that I was talking about before. So a lot of the projects that I'm working with people on and from here on in, like, you know, like I'm looking at doing a, a documentary on human trafficking that seems to be a real sort of like subject that is coming at me from a load of different angles at the moment so 
from different parts of the world as well. So I'm I'm uh, looking at developing that into a documentary. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that philanthropic work with the creative producer is has is always been of huge importance for me. You know, it's just starting out. I'm obviously working with people, mentoring uh, their projects. But since this situation's happened, I've now really gone into that philanthropic work and looking for projects that really do bring change. So yep. that's probably been the biggest. Now, whether it's a pivot or I feel like for me, and this is how I've been sort of talking about it with other people, is all those things that we've been striving towards or that we've kind of, you know, we have these goals ahead of us. It's like with COVID-19, it's like they're all just sitting right in front of us and we have the chance to be able to create that now. Like why are we striving? Why are we striving towards them? Why can't we just do them now? It's almost as if it's, giving you that sense of purpose or it's telling you, hey, what matters to you the most? Let's deliver on that. So that's been my pivot. It hasn't been monetary. It hasn't been, oh, my God, I've got to, you know, nothing's monetary for me. I feel for me I kind of follow what I feel I need to do that makes me feel good and I I trust that all everything else will kind of work out in its its way. It will provide. Life will provide. (laughs) Yeah, it's great to hear that and uh, I wish you the best in the near future. Holly, we're just running out of time. Before I let you go, if there was one thing that you can provide or one tip that you can provide to our entrepreneurs who are struggling in terms of being external or unleashing their creativity, what would that be? The advice I would give is just trust yourself. Trust the inner voice, trust the inner artist and honor it because by not honoring it you're not sort of giving the people who would maybe have the opportunity to hear what you've got to say to be able to heal or deal with or to bring change into their world mm-hmm. so just tap into that inner artist and just honor honor your journey yep fantastic holly thank you so much for being a part of the stressless entrepreneur like i said i wish you success in the in the future it's been great chatting to you tommy thank you so much There you have it, guys. Thank you for tuning into the Stressless Entrepreneur Podcast with me, your host, Tommy Bowie. If you like what you've heard today, please make sure you subscribe to our show and share this podcast with your friends. Leave us a review so that we can take on your comments, grow with you as a channel, and keep providing you quality, stress-free content. If you have a story to tell or just want to say hi, drop me an email on hello at thestresslessentrepreneur.com. I'll catch you all on the next episode.